0: August 16th, 2022. Let's continue in Masechet Berachot and Dafgima Lamudbet. If you count down in the wide lines, that's fifteen lines down, the fifth word on the line. First word on the line is Nashaf, and the fifth word is Vid David. Now if you recall the Gemara which we had been dealing with cited a Pasuk from Tihilim, in which David said about himself, Hasot Laila Akum l'ach al Kecha." I wake up I wake up Hasod Laila at midnight to Lehodotlach to give gratitude to you, God, on Mishpatezit Kecha on your righteous um, mandates, on your mitzvot, on your ways. So the Gemara now picking up on that that derasha asks the following question: V'David mi Vayada Pal emat? Question mark with David, of course, David Hamelech, the author of that Mizmor. Mi Havayada, did he actually know Pelga, Peleg means half, Delilia of the night, Emat when it is? Did David actually know how to coordinate and calculate midnight? Hashata, the Gemara explains its question. Hashata now Moshe Rabbenu da Havayada. Moshe Rabbenu apparently didn't know when Hatzot was who said. As the pasuk says, when Moshe tells Paro and Misraim that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to strike them with Makat Bechorot, the pasuk says, "Vayomer Moshe ko Amar Adonai kachasot halaila ani yoseh betoch misraim. kachasot." That kaf at the beginning means around the understanding of the Gemara and in turn the understanding of the Gemara is that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't actually know how to coordinate and to calculate exactly when midnight was so he turned to the Egyptians and he said at around midnight so Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know how and David HaMelech did says the Gemara what did it mean when he said that's a compound word if you'll say Maybe Hakadosh Baruch Hu turned to Moshe. This is all part of the question, and God said to Moshe and said, "Kahasot, I'm going to be around midnight." Why would God speak like that? Miika sefeka kamesh imaya. Miika ha'im yesh sefeka a doubt imaya, in the in front of heavens. Meaning Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have any doubts. So again, let's review what the Gemara is in the midst of asking. David talks about Hatsot Laila. The question is Moshe ostensibly didn't know when Hatsot Laila was. What's my proof that Moshe when he talks to the Egyptians to Paro, he says around midnight. So as the Gemara, why would he say that? Maybe God told him around midnight. Can't be. God there's no doubts. God wouldn't say around midnight. He would say midnight. Ela rather, de amar le HaKadosh baruch, God said to Moshe behasot at midnight. But well, if that's the case, why is Moshe speaking differently? And he came, means to come, means him, meaning Moshe and he changed it. He edited the statement of God, who clearly in the eyes of the Gemara said, and Moshe comes and says, it's clear. Clearly says the Gemara. According to this reading, Moshe Rabbeinu was misupak; he was uncertain. Concluding the question, says the Gemara: Vidava vidavid, hava Question mark? And David knew. So again, piecing it all together, the suggestion is Moshe says kahasot around midnight because he's uncertain how to calculate it. David is able to coordinate and to calculate when hatsot is? It doesn't make sense. No, maybe Moshe did know how, and God said kachasot. God didn't know? No, God did know. Moshe didn't know, and in turn, our question is, how is it possible Moshe didn't? And David did. Answers the Gemara. In truth, David had a mechanism in order to determine Hasot Laila. David Simanahavale. Answers the Gemara. David had a Siman. He built a mechanism in order to know when Hasot Laila was. He had a consistent mechanism which was in place. Moshe, a one time thing, didn't know how to determine it. David was going to be waking up every night at Hasot Laila. He had some sort of mechanism. What's that mechanism? The of Ahab. Barbizna Hasida David. There was a harp, which was hanging above the bed of David. Hasot Laila. Once midnight arrived, There'd be a northern wind which would blow into the room and, in turn, onto the harp again and the harp would then be playing on its own meaning the wind would be touching the uh, strings uh, and uh, it would be making music. Miad immediately would wake up and then he'd be immersed in Torah until morning rise. Which means to say the Gemara's answer, answer in this initial iteration is that David was able to, yes, through building this mechanism, overcome what Moshe was not able to because he didn't have that me- mechanism. Now that we're at the description of David, before giving another, another answer to that kachasot leila of Moshe and chasot of David, says the Gemara, what else was David doing? kevan once morning uh, arose, niknesu chachmei law the uh, the wise people of Israel would enter into David. Amrudo, they would turn to him and say, now you have to understand, the Gemara's description makes it appear as if this was a daily occurrence. It can't be there was a daily occurrence because we're about to read that David would tell them to wage war. They were not waging war on a consistent basis. So it's giving a certain picture into what sometimes would occur in the life of David. So Chachmei Israel would come in, Amrulo Adoneno Hamelech. They would turn to him and say, Our master the king, Amechai Israel Sirichim parnasah. your nation, Israel, needs sustenance. We need money. We're deficient. We're poverty stricken. lahem, the response of David would be, I feel your pain, I have advice. Hit ze mize. Go and make money one from the other. Collect sedaka, give to one another build your commercial enterprises and your society at large so that you're able to sustain and support one another Amrulo, their response to him was first and foremost, komet is a small measurement. Ari, of course, is a lion. So the basic response in that initial line was we don't have the money to support one another to the extent that we need it. The same way a lion, you'd say, no, go feed the lion. What do you have to feed him with? Oh, I have a komet. I have a small amount of food. Well, that's not going to be sufficient. That's going to, not going to be enough. Furthermore, and a bor, a uh, pit cannot be filled from its, uh, its surrounding area. There's a mahloka between Rashid and Tosafot about the specifics as to how to determine what the imagery here is but the most simple imagery is that if you dig a pit you can't imagine that you're now going to be able to fill it in by taking off from the walls I dug a hole I said, oh, now I want it full so I'll dig into the walls and bring that dirt to fill it up I'm only going to be expanding while at the same time filling in which means to say if we don't have, along the lines of en hakom etz we don't have that money to begin with we're not going to be able to support one another. We can't generate money when money is not, re- is not present. Amar lahem, so David in turn responds to them and said, L'chu Go and outstretch your hand to legions, meaning you'll need to fight against surrounding nations in order to conquer and achieve more wealth. Mi'ad immediately, once the Chachmei Yisrael got the stamp of approval from David, to go out and wage war in order, to, in order to gain in strength and wealth. They would go and they would ask advice, strategic advice. Ahitofil was a strategic advisor with regards to fighting. And they would furthermore afterwards turn to the Sanhedrin, of course the High Court, to request permission to fight. So they turn to Ahitophil and start scheming and strategizing how to fight. Sanhedrin they needed the stamp of approval that this is appropriate. This halin ba urim and they'd ask from um, this mechanism which gives a, a, a certain direction to Am Yisrael, traditionally called the Urim vetumim. Urim V'tumim was on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. It was a way of turning to God, and a specific way of, of reading it and understanding during critical times like war, whether to fight and how to fight and those sorts of matters. So again, the description is after Alotasha HaShachar they'd enter in and have these meetings with David about supporting the nation. David would turn to them and say, try to support from within. The response was, we need to go out, says, David, okay, so go fight. Turn to Ahitophel and start with the strategy with regards to how we're going to fight. Turn to Sanhedrin and request permission. They make the determinations on that, as the Mishnah tells us in Masechet Sanhedrin. Turn to the Urim V'tumim and request further direction and, and, and approval. Yes? It almost sounds like they don't want to fight. It's like, okay, what should we do? Go fight. Okay, so let me ask him, 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 uh, him. Understood. Him him. Why would we rather fight? Well, if uh, there, there's another way. Like no. They're asking so many people. Does that not ring true to you? We'd always like to avoid fight. If we could generate it in A, a peaceful way, and B, if we could do it internally without turning to others. There's a certain inherent danger in turning outside of ourselves. But they said they can't do it inside. Okay. And so now we're trying to make certain that this is the right decision. We don't know another decision, but before we actually pull the trigger, we need to be certain this is the only way. Amar Rav Yosef, my kera, says, Rav Yosef, how do you know? What's the pasuk, which is a e remez, a e simuchin lekach, that this was the type of order they would go in by turning to Ahitophel and Sanhedrin, and then to the Urim Vitumim, the Pasuk says, the Ahare Ahitofil ben Ayau benyohoyada ve viatar vesar sa vala yoav. Says the, says the Gemara Akitophil ze Yoetz. Right, so the Gemara says that the Pasuk says they would they would turn to Ahitophil, he's the Yoetz. Uh the Ita Ve Asat Ahitophil Asheya Atbayamimahem Kasheishal Bidvarha Elohim. As the pasuk says that Ahitophil used to give the direction, he used to give the etza with regards to scheming. Benayahu ben Yohayada, the next part of the pasuk, after mentioning Ahitophil, who again was this yo'etz, he was this chief strategizer with regards to war, is that they would turn to Benayahu ben Yohayada. Who's that a reference to? Ze Sanhedrin. She explains this was an individual, shahaya, of Betin. He was the head of Betin. He represented in the Pasuk Sanhedrin. So after you turned to Ahitophel, you began the strategizing. You then turned to, Ahi- uh, to Ben Yohoyada Yo- 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 Sanhedrin. <laughs> Lastly, the Evyatar, the Pasuk mentioned at the end, Evyatar. Evyatar, of course, was the Kohen Gadol. Elu. Urim as we mentioned earlier, the Urim v'Tumim were to be found on the breastplate of the Kohen uh, Gadol. So that's the reference at the end of the pasuk of Eviatan. al The pasuk describes how Benayyo Ben Yohoyada preceded the kereti and the Peleti. Uh, so that's first and foremost. al. The understanding is he was on top of, which means in the order of and sequence of events, you would go to Benayao ben Yohayada, who represents the Sanhedrin. Then you'd go to Kireti and Peleti. Peleti, the Gemara's understanding of those words, as we'll see in a moment, is that's a reference to Urim V'tumim. Who said, Who said, and why is it that Urim V'tumim, again, this opportunity to have stones which were lighting up, and giving me an answer to and direction for uh, war and strategizing with regards to co- combat, why were they known as kereti and peleti? Well, let's break down those words before we read onward. Lichrot, like keritat berit, means to cut. So that's that word. Pele means something that's wondrous. Lifla, something that's 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 beyond regular capacity. Says so the Gemara, why were they known as kereti and peleti, the understanding being the urim vetumim. First and foremost, they were known as kereti, they would cut, they would be clear with regards to, this is the Pesach, this is what you should do. If you turn to me and you want me to determine something, you want mutar or rasur, I'm going to be koret, I'm going to slice and give you the answer. However, peleti, it was furthermore known as peleti, shemufla'im muflaim they were wondrous in their words, which might mean it was hard to understand them, or alternatively, it might mean that it was beyond our comprehension with regards to, you know, making that decision on our own. Okay, v'acharkach, and then the end of the pasuk said, sar sava lamelech yo'av, right? That's what the pasuk that we cited just a few moments ago at the bottom of dav Avgim bet this was a pasuk from Sefer Divrei Hayamim. It said, v'achare hitofel ben benayahu or we had it as Benayahu Ben Yohayada, But anyway, so after Ahitofil the Yo'etz, you then had Benayahu. Then you had Eviatar Sar La Melech, and then you had Yoav. What's, V'achakach Sar La Melech Yoav? Amar Avitzchak Barada, v'amrela Amar Ravitzchak Bereda Rav Eidi, Maikera Ura Kevodi, Urahan Naval okay, so that's excuse me, that's the end of that the Hakaf Sar Yo'av, period. And then the Sar the head of the combat of David, the head of his army, was Yoav, he'd go out and w- wage the war. Now the Gemara finishing this thought and bringing us back to the initial statement on this thought. Right, the initial statement was: How did we get into this whole conversation of how they would determine the war and all that sort? Of, because what happened after he woke up? So we asked immediately before what, when he woke up, hasot laila. How did he know what time it was, midnight? So the Gemara told us there was that kinor, that harp, which was on top of his bed. Says the Gemara, Bar Idi, veamrela Amaravitzhak bere deravidi. Mykira, what's a pasuk that might suggest to us that David was waking up in this fashion? Ura kevodi, ura hanaval the kinar aira shachar. The pasuk says in Tehilim, Ura kevodi. My honor is awakened. Rashi and others explain, in contrast to the Malchei Umo who wake up much later, my honor, as a king of Yisrael, David HaMelech said, is to wake up quickly. Ura HaNebel, nevil is an instrument. Vichinor, another instrument. A'ira Shachar, I'm going to be the one who awakens the morning, which means to say, I will precede morning in awakening, so to speak. The morning wakes up, I beat it with the instruments. That's the derasha with regards to how David had this nevel and kinon. the Gemara goes back to the question. The Gemara goes back to the question of how is it possible that David knew when Hasot was and Moshe Rabbeinu did not. Rebizera Amar Moshe le'olam hava We gave one answer. One answer was a mechanism. Indeed, we have different answers. Rebizera Amar Moshe le'olam hava Moshe, in fact, knew what time Hatsot was, so there's no discrepancy between David had it, he know, and Moshe didn't, even Moshe knew. He didn't need the mechanism per se, maybe he built it, but they were able to calculate when Hatsot was. Wait a second, if that's the case, then why did David need the kinor the harp, to awaken him? Says the Gemara, he needed it just to awaken himself up, to wake himself up. Not that he needed it to designate that as Hasot, he knew how to calculate Hasot, just like Moshe did. Why do you have a Kinur in order to waken him up? Like an alarm clock. Says the Gemara, Vekevan de Moshe Lama well if you're suggesting that Moshe as well knew when it was midnight why did he say kahasod why did he say around midnight why didn't he say actual midnight answers the gemara Moshe kasavar sheme yit'u its tagnine parah Moshe badaihu. says the gemara the reason Moshe said kahasod laila was not because he was uncertain, certainly not because God was uncertain about when midnight was, but he had a feeling, he was aware of the fact that the itztagminim, the sorcerers of Paro, the wise people of Paro, might not be able to determine it properly. They would in turn for a few moments say, you see, it's already hasot, and God hasn't been killing the firstborns. You see, Moshe badaihu, Moshe made this thing up, he's a liar. It's a fascinating statement. How many minutes would the Tagninim be off in their determination? <laughs> How many minutes? A couple of minutes? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? For 10-15 minutes they'd be saying Moshe made this up and God is not true or something along those lines. In order to avoid that, Moshe said Kahasot. Wow. Says the Gemara, there's a tremendous Musar from that. Says the Gemara De Amar mor, we learn from this, and other such occurrences, You should teach your tongue to say, I don't know. You might know. You might be certain about something. But it's best, more often than not, to be speaking in a, in a, in a modest way wherein you say, I don't know, because you don't know everything. You certainly can't predict how others will understand you. Sheme, maybe, Maybe, since you're so certain in yourself, you'll actually make something up without realizing you did, and you'll be caught with what seems like a lie or a falsity. As a result, the statement is, it's important that we teach ourselves to comfortably accept that vulnerability of, I don't know. It's a tremendous line here in the Gemara, it's a life lesson with regards to the way we comport ourselves in an everyday activity and life um, and lifestyle. Do we determine decisions based on a certainty? Am I certain this is the way to do it and there's no other way? Or am I comfortable saying, I'm not certain. I've pointed out on more than one occasion. We learn this idea from many circumstances in Torah, but you find it, for example, on the negative end, by Cheta Egel. Am Yisrael say, They're uncertain what happened to him. That moment wherein they were uncertain was a life-shattering moment. They panicked because they didn't know. Had they been conditioned to realizing we don't know everything and we won't know everything, they wouldn't have panicked in the same fashion. They were certain they knew the answer to everything. When you don't, then you crack and you go into panic and anxiety mode mode. Um, Yaakov Avinu at the beginning of Parashat Vayeseh, when he's at the top of the mountain and he wakes up and he says, I didn't know. That's a moment of vulnerability for Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov, who's the one who's sly and crafty and knows throughout, in the eyes of the Hakamim, the Tamit Hacham who's studying in Yeshiva, the moment where he's able to say, lo is a life-changing moment I would suggest, as I have, that immediately thereafter, the pasuk describes how he raises his feet and he goes to find a wife, to go find a wife means I don't have the answer to everything. I need a partner in this for us to be able to, in our own lives, embrace this statement in the Gemara, whether it's because of the Moshe vision, people will misunderstand me and have wrongful thoughts, or just inherently, as the statement is, you should teach yourself to say eni odea something we consistently I talk for myself more most specifically fail at and were we able to if we could be able to properly and appropriately say I don't know consistently we'd be growing ironically in leaps and bounds and ways that we that we can't when we're so certain when I'm certain about something I don't want to learn more when I'm certain about something and I discover something else everything gets messed up alternatively I'm not sure I'm you, people sometimes turn to me and say, how do you know? How can you prove that Torah and God's existence? I, I have a certain acceptance, but I don't have every answer. And there's no anxiety inherent in that, because that's who we are as human beings. We don't know it all. Says the Gemara onward, a different answer to that, Moshe So we gave two answers so far. First answer was, David knew, Moshe didn't, because David built a mechanism. Second answer was, even Moshe did. Why did David have a harp in order to wake him up? An alarm clock. Why did Moshe say "Kahasot Laila" in order to avoid uh, the confusion and the, the anger and, uh, and and mockery of the Paro? Amar bePalga urta detlesar nakeh arbesar hava ka'e. So as Rav Asher will take stock of the context and the time, what happened? Moshe is standing at the time period which is Palga urta detlesar the 13th at night, meaning the beginning of the 14th, he's at that time of Nisan, he's at that time saying, this is the suggestion, at this time tomorrow, I turn to you tonight and it's midnight, I say <coughs> just like midnight, tomorrow okay, this it's will take, like. okay, it means just like, uh-huh. instead of meaning about, it means just like. So the suggestion is, Be'palga urta, urta means night, Palga of course means half, meaning midnight, Detlesar nagheh of the 13th going into the 14th morning, Havakai he was standing, Moshe was, Ve'hacheke amar, and this is what David was saying, Li Yisrael, Amar hakadosh kadosh baruchu lemachar, Kachatzot ayla, ki ha'idna, Ha'idna means now, at midnight, like now, Kahasot means just like the midnight of now Ani i will descend i'll go out throughout egypt which means to say that's our third and final answer with regards to um these different answers uh, with um uh, uh, in in interpreting this pasuk of kahasot laila of uh, moshe Rabenu with makat bechorot let's just read a few more lines here in the gemara the gemara is doresh another pasuk in tehillim Pasukin Tilim says Tefilali David Hatea Donayus Neha Aneni ani vevyon ani. Shamira nafsi ki Hasidani Hosha Abdeha Ata Elohai Habotea Elecha. So the Gemarah is going to be Dodesh these words. David describes himself as a Hasid, as a certain righteous and pious individual, turning to God, Shamiranafsi, um, safeguard my soul. Says so the Gemara Levi ver Beit Haka Mahlok between two Emoraim. Hadamar, one of them interpreted this statement as 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 follows: David Hakadosh This is what David was saying in front of God. Ribono uh, shel Olam, Master of the Universe. Lo hasidani? Am I not a pious, righteous individual? Shekol Malchem is Raḥum All the kings of the East and the West. Yeshenim Adshaloshahot. They sleep until the. Third hour into the day, they oversleep with regards to wake up time. Vani, but me in contrast, Hasot lecha. I wake up. Hasot lach, rather, I wake up midnight. So his expression of shameran avshi, safeguard, protect me because I'm a hasid. Ah, the audacity, how you a hasid? The suggestion is I can prove it empirically. Look at what they do. They sleep late. Me. I have I have a certain internal honor based on self honor I wake up earlier. and the other opinion says, uh, it has a different statement interpretation to this Hasid. Uh, Ribono Sheloda, master of the universe. Lo Hasidani, am I not a pious, righteous individual?. Each one of these uh, kings of the East and the West, they're sitting agudot agudot bichvodam, and aguda means a gathering they're gathering, they have gatherings of honor they're just putting themselves in situations of pomp and ceremony, they're able to have others uh, respect them, me? I don't look for that respect, quite the opposite. I get involved in the dirty, um, necessary activities for the, my nation. I debase myself and level myself to that of the people in order to aid them, instead of having these groups and legions who are respecting me. Ani <inaudible> David, in expressing that I'm a Hasid and the understanding of this rabbi, yadai meluch badam, my hands are quite literally, physically dirty with blood. Uba they're dirty with blood of Nida to determine whether these are women who are or not. Shefir Rashi explains is the the skin of a valad of a baby. So it's the skin, it's the sack wherein the baby is, uh, c- comes to form, and the understanding in turn is, says Rashi, so There's a determination as to the status, and the halachot are discussed in Masechet Nida, of specific circumstances, of Shafir, about whether this woman is Temea, whether we'll consider this an organism or not, I'm involved in touching that, Shilya is a placenta, of sorts, Ditnan says Rashi, en shilya be vehu kimin some sort of covering and encasement of the child, and in turn as well, her specific determinations in Masechet Nida as well, as two stages with regards to the baby, whether the mother, when this comes out of her, is going to be considered to mea. The specifics we can learn Masechet Nida for. The, the, the general gist of it in our Gemara goes as follows. David is turning to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and saying, do I look like the guy who's in the ivory tower, the one who's sitting in his business and just watching people honor and sing their praise like Malchem Mizrah and Ma'arab. Now it's similar to the other statement of waking up early. I don't need to wake up early. But this one, instead of angling toward a connection directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, after all it was Talmud Torah with HaKadosh Baruch Hu of his words, this one is, I'm involved with my people. Of course, there's no contradiction over here. It's two sides of the same coin. It says David, I'm involved with Derech um, Adonai. I'm involved with and Mishpat. I'm involved with Shirot Vetishbahot Talmud Torah and the people. Kedelek taher Ba'ala. The reason I'm dirtying my hands with this blood, with these internal. Um, uh, um, emissions of a woman is in order to determine whether a woman could or should be tehora ta- permitted to her husband and furthermore as this midrash develops it not only that I have such a piety such a Modest demeanor and disposition that I don't make decisions on my own. I turn to my mentor, to my rabbi of sorts. His name is Mephiboshet. Says the Gemara, uh, excuse me, Aninim Lachbe Mefiboshet, Rabbi. I turn to Mephiboshet, my master, my mentor. And Mephiboshet would say to David, Rebi, mifiboshe. Rebi, yafed anti. Sometimes they'll tell me, "Good job, you you judge properly." Yafeh hiyafti, yafeh zakiti. Good, you 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 obligated. Good, you exempted. You, you you exonerated. Yafeti harti. You made a tahor. Yafeti meti. And you know something, God? I have no busha, Which means that this is a description of a certain piety. You know, it, 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 it is, there's a real Musad Hazkel here as well. Leaders oftentimes mistaken their role and position as one in which they're leading the people from afar or actually engaged and involved. And the mistake sometimes goes as follows. If I'm too involved, the people will lose respect for me. And the answer and the approach to that is, there is a certain truth to that, but if you're removed from the people to the extent that you can't get your hands dirty, and they don't feel your presence and your physical demeanor and and, and approach of them, they lose, maybe not the respect and honor, but the true leadership that you should be giving them. So that's David's statement over here. Says David, I'm a part of them. Not only am I a part of them, I'm able to check my honor at the door. I'm able to turn to Mephiboshet Ribi and ask him whether I'm doing well. And he will, it almost appears as if publicly, say, good job. I'm able to take down that level of, of uh, ostentatiousness, of, of self-centeredness, and, and accept my, my status as one of others. But well, Was that the role of the king at the time? Wasn't he like mainly just the war guy and the the halachok go to the kohen, the rabbi, the whatever? Or is that the point? Like I'm even overstepping my boundaries. And I, I, I'm I'm beyond the typical model of a king. But a Jewish king. Keep in king. mind a Jewish king. Well, listen, Shemuel, in Sefer Shemuel, when he predicts what a king is going to do for the people, he has fears along these lines. There's going to be a certain detached nature of the king. So the Gemara here in envisioning David as this personality is saying this is the antidote, even a Jewish king. You know, Shemuel says he's going to take your children to be his slaves and as this and so on and so forth. And the answer is, yeah, that's part of the position. But David is balancing it. And yes, we're praising it. It, it's a, uh, you know, I, I, I know I've told it more than once but it's very appropriate over here. The story that, uh, that Howard Schultz told about, Rav Nassan Finkel, with regards to Howard Schultz was talking at the time Le about running for President of the United States. So it was a failed uh, mission. He was the CEO of Starbucks at the time. But what he was describing was, we need a servant leader. We need a leader who sees himself as a servant of the people and not that the people are his servants. And he told the story about Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel, the head of Mir Yeshiva, thousands of students who felt, I'm not worthy to approach the Kotel stopping 10-15 feet away. You're dealing with a person who people were turning to for blessings and advice and so on and so forth. A person who had that pomp and ceremony stature, but at the same time there needs to be, and that's what the Gemara is stressing with David, even with that position and a Rosh Shishiva needs that position. I would say many leaders need that position. You need that stature. You need that in order to be effective in a certain sense, but there needs to be at the same time a certain vision and an overarching perspective of I'm a servant of the people, they're not serving me. I might need this as part of the persona, but it doesn't define who I am. Says the Gemara onward, Amar bi'Oshua berederav idi, mai kera? Can we point to a pasuk with regards to that last part uh, where we mentioned that Mephiboshet, uh, the rabbi, the mentor of David, is whom David would turn to without any bushah and say, did I do well? And he would say, good job, you ruled appropriately. The pasuk says, I speak about your testimony, meaning Torah, neged melachim, Parallel and against kings, velo evosh, and I have no bousha, I have no shame or embarrassment. So, in other words, the statement is, I, David, says, in contrast to other kings, and able to talk about. Um, you know, and and look for, you know, stamp of approval on Edotecha without any fear or any embarrassment or shame. Tana says the Gemara, Lo Mifiboshet Shemo, the true name of that Mifiboshet Ribi of David was not actually Ela ish Ishboshet Shemo. His true name was Ishboshet Velama Nikra Shemo Mifi So why was he instead known as Mifiboshet mevash, Mevayesh Pene David Bahalacha? Because he would bring forth a certain shame and embarrassment to David with halacha, David would turn to him for verification on his halachot. So his name was Ishboshet, but he was mivayish uh, with to David. Uh, it's mifi mef, is me, uh, is a compound word. The Gemara's understanding it as Mifayesh pined David. He would bring embarrassment to the face of David. <laughs> David says, I did, I don't um, I I understand. his name? The nickname is the guy who embarrasses David, but David didn't get embarrassed. In other words, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll I'll try to bring an example for how I understand this. You can condition yourself to being in a quote-unquote objectively embarrassing situation, but you conditioned yourself to the extent that it's no longer uncomfortable. So the words of David Veloboshti are I'm not discomforted from the shame. It doesn't doesn't resonate, doesn't ring with me as shame, even though it is a shameful thing. Everyone looks at it and says, how embarrassing, but that doesn't bother me. So it's less that I don't actually experience it, it's more that it doesn't affect me in such a way. says so the Gemara lefichach, for that reason, zachad david veyasa mimenu, and for that reason that he had a child named Kalev, lo Kalev shemo, shemo, shemo Kalev, it says the gemara this descendant of david kal it's about whom he in turn was able to be proficient in halacha, knowledgeable in Torah, David who was able to check his honor is meriting of a, of a descendant who is able to determine along the lines of truth independently, it's the Pasuk, "Bini im hachan becha, my son, if your heart, if your mind is wise Ismach <speaking in Hebrew> libi, and turn my heart and mind, well Gamani will be rejoicing Rejoice, and along those lines as well the Pasuk says in, uh, in 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 Mishlei, Hacham beni libi horfi davar. What my the wisdom of my child brings forth, rejoicefulness, happiness to my mind, to my heart. The ashiva, and as a result, I'm able to respond horfi those who brought forth cherif shame and embarrassment to me davar, which means to say the Gemara's description is over here that this. Kalev is a compound word as well. His true name was Daniel, not Danielish Hamudo. His true name was Daniel, but he's known as Kalev because of Milashon Av. He has this Av, uh, or Kilav rather, I'm sorry. It's, it's Av, he's able to bring forth uh, or, or redeem the Kilima, the, uh, what's it called, the shameful nature of his father, uh, that's the kil'av, I'm sorry I said kalev throughout, the kil'av that we're referring to uh, throughout in this Gemara. To summarize what we learned over the course of this Limud, um, uh, again we initially dealt with this Hasot laila. we described the Day of David, we determined the kahasot of Moshe as not necessarily his uncertainty, although the first approach was that way, but rather the next two approaches were either he was doing it in order to respond to others preemptively, or alternatively it was just like this Hasot. Then the Gemara went into singing the praises of David, beginning with that statement in which David says, I'm a Hasid, which jump-started our conversation, returning to David waking up, earlier than the other melachim that's his piety or alternatively his piety was his ability to a get himself dirty in the mundane matters of the people and b without any true resonating deep-seated bushah, he would enter into situations of debasing himself turning to others her advice, and the Gemara says it came full circle, that his child, his descendant, this kil'av, is able to be machlim others, so to speak, with his wisdom, and bring a certain happiness and and, and, and and elated nature to David, who's, in a certain sense, redeemed through that descendant. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.